Welcome to St. James Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. You can learn more about St. James on our website at stjamesp.org. Good morning. So here we are in Matthew. Jesus has called his first disciples. His public ministry is up and running. The team is on the road. Scripture tells us now that large crowds are following Jesus, kind of like spiritual roadies. And wherever Jesus goes, even here at the very beginning of his ministry, crowds are flocking to him. In Syria, crowds. In the region across the Jordan, crowds. In Galilee, crowds. In Judea, crowds. From this point forward, people from every strata of society are drawn to Jesus. Yes, he had so much love, so much capacity to transform, so much compassion, so much ability to handle people. Jesus always had a crowd. But make no mistake, not everyone in those crowds was following Jesus because they were committed to Jesus. Many were following Jesus because they were committed to themselves. To some, it appeared that Jesus was a healing line or a benefit line or a bread line. Not that this was a bad thing, but again, some were not following Jesus because they were really committed to his cause. Jesus would often make a distinction between those people in the crowd and his followers. Why? Well, I think you know as well as I do, it's not that hard to get a crowd. Oftentimes, it's one of the easier things to do. All you have to do is come up with something shiny or new Dramatic, flashy. People will show up. They come for the novelty or or because they just want something to do. There's also that newer phrase, FOMO, fear of missing out. That will bring a crowd for sure. Don't you know when a new business is beginning, they'll use those crowd gathering gimmicks to promote their business? Haven't you ever gotten that card in the mail celebrating a grand opening? You're invited to come and, and present your card and you're promised promised a free gift, a prize just for showing up. And what's the prize? Well, it could be a brand new car. Wow. Or it could be a huge color TV. Wow. Or it could be a koozie with the company logo. You could win one of those three things. And when you go there, what's the prize you're going to leave with? The koozie. That's right. Again, it's always easy to get a crowd Not always easy to get a commitment. Today, Jesus saw that crowd. He went up on the mountainside. He sat down and he began to teach. Here and now, Jesus Christ is formally and decidedly raising the bar on the commitment he is expecting of his disciples, of that crowd around him, of you, of me. This will now take up a huge portion of the Gospel of Matthew, much more than what we hear today. It is the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus Christ's most well-known teaching, which really could have a more accurate title as a mountain of a sermon. Here Jesus gives directives on living in and living for his kingdom, covering a broad range of issues like humility and service, loving your enemies, praying effectively, being generous, advancing God's will, and submitting to the authority of Christ. 
all under the banner of this one word, which I would argue is both beloved and totally misunderstood. And that word is blessed. What is blessed? What does it mean to be blessed? To bless another, is that a noun? Is it a verb? I think it's one of those words that we have so thoroughly taken into our religious vocabulary that it's super easy to even use without really thinking. So the Greek word used in our gospel today for blessed, it's kind of slippery. The word is makarios, translated here as blessed, but can also be translated as happy or fortunate or well-off. Even in our English, we might have to pause and consider precisely what the word blessed means. It could mean special favors, unique standing, permission, empowerment, wealth. So maybe a better question today isn't what it means, but rather what it feels like. What does it feel like when you know you're blessed? when we remember that blessing is something that can't be pursued or or even purchased, that can only be received as a gift. I think if we ask the question that way, we might start to more fully understand the promises of Jesus. To be blessed feels like you have someone's unconditional regard. It feels like you are not and you never will be alone, like you'll be accompanied wherever you go. To be blessed feels like you have the capacity to rise above your present circumstances, like you're more than the sum of your parts or your past experiences. To be blessed feels like you have worth, not because of something you did or something you might do, but simply because of who you are, simply because you are. You know, our culture promotes the pursuit of happiness. And then when that doesn't work out, Maybe we're encouraged to settle for affirmation. And then when neither of the things seem to work out, to think about who's at fault, who's to blame. So maybe today, in place of empty cultural affirmation and corrosive blame, let's substitute blessing. Jesus' unconditional regard for us, his assurance to accompany us, his power to help us persevere and flourish, and his promise, his promise that we have love, and honor, and respect, because we are his. Now that brings me back to this kind of motley list of folks that Jesus is talking about today with the Beatitudes. Why these people? The people that Jesus names as blessed are certainly not the ones our society considers blessed. That's why I think Jesus chooses them. Because in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is not Contrary to all kind of Christian, kind of therapy preaching we might have heard over the years, he is not offering some precise recipe for success or the keys to happiness or a roadmap to having your best life now. No. Here Jesus is reminding us once again that God regularly and relentlessly shows up just where we least expect God to be in order to give us freely what we can neither earn nor achieve, and that is... Being blessed. Here's a bonus. I think that Jesus chooses these seemingly sad conditions to lift up because it's precisely in our moments of disappointment or despair or failure that we might finally, even for just a minute, let go of our hardwired hardwired cultural stereotypes about blessing. That's the happiness and the wealth and the fame and the power part. 
and be open then to the presence of God, a God that gives and gives without asking in return. I believe that's what true blessing is, drawing together as a family of God, seeing each other as God's beloved children, meeting each other at the points of our brokenness, and conveying to each other our and God's promises of care and presence and accompaniment and, above all, worth. And then remembering that those promises we make are fulfilled because we, too, are blessed. We are worthy of blessing, for God Almighty has created us and called us so. For those sitting around Jesus 2,000 years ago, I hope that was their takeaway, and that is what we will leave with today, and then to share the good news, that good news, that blessing with others. In Jesus' name, amen.